here. Are you here? We're all here. Welcome to Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis. As you may have guessed by now, I am Eve Sturgis. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm happy to be here. A few years ago, a man used one phone call to turn my entire life upside down, changed my world. Uh, He proved himself to be my biological father instead of the man who raised me. That man I still call dad today. Um, But thus began a journey I didn't plan for uh, and which hasn't ended. It's still going on. Um, And part of that experience has been learning that I am not alone. There are so many people discovering in all sorts of ways that they are not who they thought they were, aren't related to the people who raised them in one way or another. And I was like, let's make a podcast about it so no one feels alone. So here we are. Today is huge for me, huge for the podcast. Dare I say huge for America? That's probably too much. But as you know by now, I hope you know, today is the final episode of season four, and it is special for me, uh, not only because I get to have a break soon, but because this particular interview felt so special to me. I felt so grateful and fortunate to get to have it. And then I thought I lost it. I couldn't find the files of this recording anywhere. Many tears were shed. All I could think was that I had forgotten to record it altogether. I felt stupid. I was devastated. I was embarrassed. I knew it meant I needed a break. But then I found it through some miracle of computer organizing. The other day, a file popped up that I didn't recognize, and it is today's episode. So I still need a break. I'm still wrapping things up for 2022, but I think you will see why this has to be the last episode and why I was so disappointed to to think that I had lost it. It's super special. It's a great way to end the end of the season. You know what? Like without for let's just get to it. Without further ado, let's just get to it. This was like a clown car of zoom appearances not knowing how many people were coming on it just kept saying someone else and someone else was in the in the uh waiting room how many people have you had at once this is one two three four five this is the most the four is the other one that i've had the most yeah this is the biggest holy cow (laughs) (laughs) we win you win for sure i like making history this is amazing (laughs) okay so whoever would like to start, just say your name, where you grew up, uh, like, you know, a general answer to when where you grew up and then where you live now. That makes sense? So like, I'm Eve, I'm in Los Angeles, but I grew up in Northern California. Sure. Okay, I'll start. My name is Jill, and I grew up in Southern Connecticut, and now I live in upstate Connecticut. I'm Matt. I grew up in the Bay Area in California. And I'm currently in Jacksonville, Florida. My name is Corey. I grew up in South Jersey and I currently live in South Florida. I'm Lori and I grew up in Long Island, New York, and I still live in Long Island, New York. And I'm your grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) And I was born in Paris. My father, having studied medicine and mathematics in France and remained there after he went there as a teenager to continue his medical studies in in Paris. But he was Cuban, uh, Spanish. He was Spanish, born in Cuba. Via Cuba, came to Paris. Yes. And that's where you were born? Yes. And then when did you come to the United States? Well, uh, father was involved in uh, research. So he was very well known in uh, in Europe. He had worked with Einstein and uh, he had been Madame Curie's assistant, etc. So he was well known. And uh, we tried to get away before the Germans came. Uh, we got into uh, Capablanca's white Cadillac convertible. He had left it at the, end, the Cuban embassy. And we tried to get our way through Spain. The frontier was closed and we drove to Dunkirk. And we did get in a little bit because we had diplomatic passports, albeit Cuban, but diplomatic passports. But then an English officer there said, what the hell is this in the white Cadillac convertible with all the troops that are leaving? And he threw us off the the route. 
And uh, we went back to Paris and uh, we lived under the German occupation. And shortly after, father got a, a personal invitation from Hitler to continue his research in Germany. And that's when we had to escape. And that's a whole story in itself. Okay, so there's going to be a spinoff podcast called yeah. <laughs> We're going to start something new. Yeah. Stay tuned, folks, for a season of The Life of Sita. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got into Spain, uh, and there we got a boat to Cuba. And uh, we, we got on the boat with a lot of famous people on the boat who were escaping with us. And about uh, three days at sea, a mine hit the ship. We had to go back to uh, dry dock. The big hole was repaired. We went, and then we went to Cuba. And uh, from Cuba, we went to the United States. And uh, their father resumed his friendship with Einstein. Uh, he had to learn English. After three months, he spoke English perfectly, but with an accent. And he had a position at NYU as research professor awaiting him. That's how right. we ended up in New York. In New York, which kind of brings us to the present. Kind of. <laughs> We're gonna have <laughs> a long way to get to that full circle. So who who started all of this? Jill. Okay. So Jill, why don't you tell why don't you tell um you you tell us yeah. what happened a little bit? So I think it really started with Corey messaging Lori on Ancestry. <laughs> So that's where it really started. That's where our journey starts. So if you want to start, Corey, and just... Um... <sighs> okay. I never was going to do one of these ancestry tests, but my husband kind of talked me into it. <clears throat> he did 23andMe. So I ordered a kit. I did it probably, I think, 2016-ish. And uh, I never had the DNA sharing active on it as far as like trying to find your relatives. I just was looking at ancestry, like my personal ancestry. Did you know before you took the test that you were donor conceived? No, I had no idea. Okay. No idea. I should have so, asked you all. I should have asked yeah. you all to start with that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you had no idea you were donor conceived. You were not very interested in the DNA test, but your husband uh, pressured you about ancestry. Yeah. So he's like, let's just, you know, just do it. And um, I had an idea of what my background was. My dad, he was Jewish. My mom was Polish and, and uh, my dad was Austrian too. So um, anyway, so I do the test and it comes back and there's no Austrian in there. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. <laughs> and, but there's Jewish. So I'm like, okay, that's supposed to be there. And then there's some weird stuff like Swedish and Norwegian, like really weird stuff. I obviously don't look Swedish or Norwegian. I was going to say like, you could yeah. not have less <laughs> Austrian in you. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. So uh at the time, uh, me and my husband weren't married and he was living in Virginia and I was in Florida and um, I was visiting. It was in between Christmas and New Year's and we were getting ready to go to, out to eat. And I got an email from 23andMe like, hey, you know, turn on your DNA sharing to see if you have relatives. So I'm talking to my husband, like, should I do it? And he's like, oh, you never know. You might have a half sibling out there or something, you know, like as a joke. LOL, LOL. Yeah. And so I turn it on. It's like doing its thing, thinking, and uh, it pops up like, oh, you have a half sister. Uh, and I was, I literally gasped and he looked at me and I threw my phone at him. <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> and he's like, oh my God, I was just kidding. <laughs> you know, I was just kidding. And I'm like, oh, I don't like, what do I do with this? You know? And, and he's like, well, where, you know, it has where you're from. And I'm like, well, it's the area where I was born. You know, I was born in New York. So that's kind of weird. And so I was like, what do I do? He's like, just message her. And I'm like, well, what do I say? Like, what do you say to somebody where it says you're a half sibling, you know? And he's like, just tell her like, hi, my name's Corey. It says I'm your half sister. So that's what I did. And it was like a running joke because it's always been like a really weird way to approach somebody with that information. But <laughs> so I reached out to Lori on the internal messaging system on, on 23andMe and it just kind of like, we started chatting on there and like, I was at dinner and I was just chatting with Lori the whole time I was at dinner. I wasn't even like paying attention to my husband. So that's kind of where it started for me. <laughs> and I guess Lori. <laughs> where were you Lori when that message came in? What was going on for you at that time? Yeah. So like, I had done, I did not know I was donor conceived either. 
I had done this test in the summertime um, and I didn't really understand like how to read the results of like relatives and whatnot. So I didn't think anything of it. I was more fascinated with the, you know, my heritage. When I had seen the results, it made no sense to me because my whole life, my father was Norwegian and maybe a little Swedish. And so I took a picture of like, I mean, it was like a rainbow, it was like all the different colors of the world on my on my wheel. And so I sent a picture to my cousins on my father's side and they were like, well, wait a minute, that doesn't match us. So I had like a few months of just confusion of like what all this meant, questioning if my dad was actually adopted. That was where I was first at. Um, the most exciting part to me was also that I was part Jewish. Uh, so that Christmas season, my family was up. I decorated part of the house even for Hanukkah, just, be, just to be fun. I don't know. <laughs> um, and so I'm sitting after Christmas. The whole family leaves. It's like no, all the kids are asleep. It's finally peaceful and quiet. And I get the alert on my phone. And I was just like, oh, my God, how cool. I have a sister. Like, it didn't click <laughs> what that must mean then, right? <laughs> And um, so, yeah, Corey and I started messaging and just trying to figure out how this happened. So she was also on Long Island when she was born. So we thought maybe her dad and my mom had an affair. But it was really kind of funny because if you knew my mother, she's like the most straight laced person, doesn't curse. Like so to imagine that it was so far fetched. Um, and so... I think from that point, we started talking a little bit. Corey says to me, I'm out to dinner right now, but I would really like to talk to you on the phone about my dad. So can I call you tomorrow? So for the next 24 hours, I'm thinking this is this guy's a murderer or he's some terrible person because she can't tell me through text. She can only call me on the phone to tell me. So I was like, oh, my God, who is my father? This is insane. And um the next day we had a conversation and it was, she, she was very considering Corey, you know, was in a similar situation, just discovering having a sibling and everything. She was very kind in her approach because the reason she wanted to talk to me on the phone was because her father had passed away. And so she thought she was sharing that news with me, you know, that your father is not, your birth father is not actually here, you know? So it was very sweet. So, and it felt kind of like an instant, like bond, I think, between the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like when we talked, it was very easy. It was very comfortable. Oh, so easy. Like we had known each other a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And so Corey, you had not yet put together that the man, your, the man who was your birth certificate father who has since passed away was not your bio father. N- no, I had, I had no idea. You hadn't figured um, that part out yet. Okay. No, and there's like other twists and turns that start happening when we start trying to figure things out, which I'm sure we'll get to. But I had no idea. I thought, you know, my family didn't come from a lot of money. And I'm like, oh, I could totally see my dad like donating for money or something, you know, or doing something crazy like that when they're younger, you know, in, in the in the 80s or whatever. Um, so I think like Lori and I spent a lot of time chatting, like trying to figure it out or, you know her family, they were in the education business. And I'm like, well, my, I have an older brother. Like maybe he was my brother's teacher. Like, you know, how would they meet? <laughs> like, it was just really, we were trying to figure it out. And uh, that's when Lori suggested we take another uh, ancestry test just to like really firm it up. Yeah. And uh, so that, you know, we, we took those tests. I think what Lori was about six weeks or so to get results back, something like that. It took a long time to get the ancestry results. And the reason why I wanted the second test was not because I doubted the results of the first test, but because I knew if I was going to approach my mother about this, I needed as much information so she couldn't deny it that I could possibly come up with. Because when I first got my results, again, I just was so excited to find out I was Jewish and Cuban and all these other really cool things. And when I approached my parents with those results, they were, they seemed almost very angry with me and their reaction was not at all what I would expect. Um, So I kind of just had this feeling like I need the most information as possible before I can go and approach my mother with this. So I ordered the test and then I told Corey and then she was, you know, she was like, oh, I'm going to do the test too. So I think my results came in like a day before hers 
yeah from ancestry and I remember like and at this point we had been texting like every day all day every day trying to like figure stuff out I got the results from ancestry and I was like uh there are more of us <laughs> there's another there's another brother and a sister and then it was like both of us had this bomb just kind of go off now because you know we still thought maybe Corey's dad was the sperm donor right now we're now we're up to four of us. Okay, so <laughs> so that was where we were with that. Okay, and then who came into the picture next? So I received an email from Lori. Yeah, this is Jill talking. Yes, that's correct. Sorry. Yeah, so I received an email from Lori, uh, kind of along the same lines. You know, I see that we're connected on Ancestry. Um, I think you were also asking Lori if I had if I knew any background on any of this. It was just kind of a short and sweet email to begin with because you never know who you're emailing. Um, but yeah, we connected instantly and uh, kept talking after that. So then again, I talked to, to Corey as well. We all were talking through text messages, which I think I still have our first text messages from many years ago. I have them too. <laughs> I found out that I was donor conceived at a very young age when I was 14. So I knew for a very long time. Right. And I'm going to stop you there because I haven't mentioned it yet. Mm -hmm. So Jill, for any of my listeners that have been following the podcast for a while, <laughs> is the sister of Joy. Joy was in my first season way back when. Um, she's a fantastic episode. And she talks in the episode about being given the task of telling her sister that they were <laughs> donor conceived. So this is that sister. Right. So if, if that's interesting to anybody, go back and listen to that. Um, but but that's sort of how we're coming to that full circle here. And so she was told at a young age, so she had always known or had known for a long time that she was donor conceived. Mm -hmm. OK, continue. Continue, Jill. Sure, sure. Yeah. So growing up, I for a while, I did think I was adopted and I kind of hounded my sister to eventually tell me everything, which she reluctantly did. But she uh we did we went out to dinner and she told me everything so um to this day though i still have not sat down and had like an official conversation with my mother about everything like it was just all like over the years things were just randomly spoken about so from my journey now at this point i have told my mother everything because so much was hidden from me growing up so she knows everything that's happened to me. <laughs> i've kind of done the opposite so I, at the time, too, thought, well, maybe Corey's father could be the sperm donor just because I don't know, you know, and she lived in Jersey and Corey was in New York. I mean, we're all within that tri-state area. Um, so we did. We all thought that in the beginning until uh, I started. I found a half aunt of ours on Ancestry and I looked at her tree that she had on there. And I eventually, after much investigation and Googling names and took about a good couple weeks, I think, I found our grandmother. <laughs> so um, eventually, after a long uh, period of time uh, of trying to get in touch with her, I finally wrote, hand wrote her a letter and she called me right away. So wow. it was pretty, yeah. Okay. So, and um, just to backtrack it real quick too, we do have another brother in Arizona. So there are a total of five of us, um, but he has just not been as present in this. You know, it's just not his thing. So, yeah. 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 So it's, um, he is uh, very close in age. We're all months apart um, within a year. I think we're all just a few months apart within a year. So, um, but he lives in Arizona too. So, okay. So a total of five. Okay. Now, Matt, when did you come into the picture? I was the straggler. <laughs> just kind of came in at the very end. Um, yeah, this is, this is, and you're also kind of the wild card coming from the Bay coming from California. Yeah. So my, my story is a little different because I was born in New Jersey. There we go. In two, at two months of age. Yeah. I was this is why it's weird, too, because I was born in New Jersey, but within two months of being born, we moved to the West Coast. So we were already in California and I have younger siblings, which, you know, is when Jill called me initially, it was a bit of a shocker, you know, 
not to skip too far ahead in the story. I mean, I don't know if it's my turn or not. I don't want to over jump cut anybody or anything. <laughs> I don't have a plan. I don't have a plan. So just tell, tell me. So December came around, it was Christmas time. My wife went out and she was having her own DNA journey or her own, you know, uh, search for her family and things like that. And a couple of her siblings, her half sisters took, did ancestry. They urged her to do it. She did it. I never had any interest in checking anything. I never was like, Oh, where am I from? My roots. Like I thought I knew everything there was to know. And, um, she was like the ancestry at that time was doing like a two for one. So she just bought one and got two randomly. It's classic. It's a classic tale. So like she jumped on it immediately, like did the test and sent it off and was all excited. And I just threw it in the backseat of my truck and it just sat there for probably like the end of January. I guess one day I was like sitting in my truck and I remembered that I had it in the back and I was like, Oh, I should probably do that. So I, you know, went and spit in the tube and put in the envelope, <laughs> you know, never thought about it again after that. Like it was just out of sight, out of mind. And um, I know both of my parents, uh, they've been, they're still married, um, still alive. You know, they've been in my life my entire life. They've always been there. So, you know, Jill called me and I was like, I was like, wait, but my, I know where they live. Like my, my parents are like 20 minutes from me. Like I, I visit them. I, they're still both in my life. Like, I don't, I don't get it. What do you mean? <laughs> and then thank you know, I'm just very blessed too, because I, I think about too, the whole situation, like how it unfolded. Cause it could have been, I was telling Jill this the other day, like if it was four people like me, we might not all be sitting here right now. <laughs> I was just going to say, you didn't even realize that any of your DNA was off. Like, you had no idea, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even look. So the results came back and I read it and I saw that I had connected with some people. And I guess Jill had noticed before I did, and she had been trying to email me, but I wasn't responding. I get a thousand emails a day. So it just kind of went, I guess I got lost in the shuffle. And um, long story short, you know, the I started looking at the connections. I'm like, oh, I connected with some people. That's kind of cool. And then, but it didn't process centimorgans. I didn't understand what centimorgans were, or what the connection meant, or what the number meant, or anything. I just saw, okay, I see on Ancestry, it tells you like your top matches. And then under that, it, it'll list like second cousin, third cousin, fourth cousin, and so forth. And um, so I saw that I had connected with four people. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I just, I mean, my mother's family is all in South America. So just I, I assumed I wasn't going to connect with many of them because I wasn't sure of the popularity of like an ancestry out there. But um, I assume that, you know, my father has European Jewish descent. His family came from Austria. Um, there's a couple other, you know, mixes in there. We're all mutts, you know, so it's just like, I didn't know what to find out. I just thought I was, oh, cool. I have some Swiss. I have some Norwegian. I have some whatever, whatever, you know, and it was like, anyways, Jill called me. And obviously the first thing that comes over you is skepticism. Cause you're like, you know, you're like, not possible. You know, like this means one of my parents cheated and I feel like Lori does about her mother with my mother is like not possible. It would never happen. Mm -hmm. you know? I relate to that so <laughs> much. Yeah. yeah. Just like, so I was like, not a fathomable, this is not a fathomable right, <laughs> event. Yeah, yeah. Right. Not, so, not, not feasible. So yeah, it was kind of like, then Jill started asking about my mother getting help. And I remember my parents got married in 77, but I wasn't born until 82. Mm. so I was like why did you wait so long you know to have children was my first question you know so I was like then I just started like kind of piecing things together in my head I was like mm, five years waited probably meant they were having trouble and then I started thinking like my mom but then my brother is two years and 11 months younger than me and he was born in California so that confused me even more. That was like another curveball, right? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> if, if I'm a donor conceived child, then how did that happen? You know, I went to my mother. I said, well, because the, the week this all happened, it was a very, there was a lot going on. My father had some health issues going on and we were really stressing off of that. And then 
this was totally unexpected and it just kind of came out of left field. It was like, and it happened like literally the day after. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I didn't, well, at that time I started putting more faith in it and I was like, I wanted to talk to my mother about it, but it just, the timing was all bad because of everything my father was going through. So, you know, I started, I waited about a week, a week and some change. And then we were sitting down at the dinner table and I think I had my wife there, myself, uh, my son was there. And then like my son went to go watch TV and I asked my mom, I said, uh, you know, did you guys get any help when you were trying to get pregnant with no hesitation? She told me, Oh yeah. When, you know, we, my, my friends recommended I go to a fertility clinic. They recommended this great doctor in Manhattan and, da, 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 da. and you know, I went and, you know, she told me that she took my father's specimen down there and, and a week later, she was pregnant. Oh. <laughs> I was like, so so you know that, um, you know, I input my my DNA on Ancestry.com. And she was like, ¿Qué es eso? <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> and I was like, it's, uh, it's DNA. It's DNA. They check your DNA, mom. And she was like, okay. And what did they tell you? I was like, it told me a lot. <laughs> she was like... <laughs> She's like, well, what did they tell you? I was like, well, I'm connected to a lot of people with my DNA. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, I was like, I have half siblings. And she was like, ¿Cómo puede ser? And I was like, I was like, no, mom, I have like people like, and, you know, Amber has her half sisters. So here was our baseline. You know, Amber did her DNA and her half sisters. So I'm sure, no doubt in my mind, they all share a father. You know, Amber is your wife, my wife. And so they all share a father together. And those three sisters, when you look at their centimorgan measurements, they're all like 1700, 1720, 1730, whatever. I pull mine up and I'm looking at our connection and we're all 1980, 1950, 1930, you know, 19 plus. That's when I was like, how do you how do you fake DNA? You know, I don't <laughs> it's, it's un, I've never heard of it. So, you know, it's kind of like my skepticism went away and I was like, this is for real. My mother, I don't know if it's just been a lot of time and she didn't really recall the details of everything. And she had just moved here as an immigrant from Colombia, So there might've been a slight language barrier as well. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but she claims that she had no idea of the procedure. She just assumed she took, you know, my father, the, the specimen down there and that was what they used that's a fair assumption and um yeah well she she was a little in shock when when she found out and just the same way the girls have said is it's kind of like that with me as well i mean it's, she's not de in denial about it but she doesn't like talking about it she doesn't want to know anything about it if i bring it up in conversation it's just like she just moves forward past the past the conversation you know and i said it doesn't change anything for me you know like it doesn't you're still my dad you're still my mom it's, and my father is like um in this place where i'm not sure if everything's totally making sense to him it's been a it's been a it's been a journey man 2022 is definitely been, <laughs> so that was that was this that was this year that was 2022 that that that, that, happened. that was like yeah that was the uh, end of february end of february i think we just all started talking in mid-may oh my gosh something like that yeah okay yeah. <laughs> okay yeah. yeah yeah so matt is like your newborn baby yeah i'm the baby <laughs> <laughs> mm hmm I'm the baby. It's in his first trimester. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> or his fourth trimester when they come out and yeah. they're just three months old. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And what was it like? Now, I would love to know what it was like to discover that you have four or five and possibly more grandchildren. I want to know for Sita, how has this been for you? Well, I, I spoke with Pablo. I said, what have you been up to? <laughs> so Pablo is our father yes. who has since passed on. He yes. passed in 2007. He had, um, he died of complications of MS, but uh, he was very funny. 
and he never told he never told me or I don't think he told my husband if he told my husband he my husband never told me about it uh, but it was a it was a surprise but not unexpected from him to do something like that uh, he probably needed money and maybe it was because he knew he had uh, a probable fatal illness that he wanted to leave something behind, you know, not to disappear completely. Hmm. That almost just made me cry, Sita. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the legacy lives on. Huh? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like to think that maybe that's what he felt that he wasn't going to leave completely, that he, he would continue in some way or another, you know. So who contacted you first? It was Jill? Jill. She sent me a letter. Uh-huh. Uh, which was wise, because if she had just said on the phone, I would have been a little... Um, uh, I wouldn't have had time to digest it. Right. But with a letter, I could read it, read it again. Process and it. then I contact her right away, you know. And did you talk about it with friends, or did you have any other other children or adult grandchildren or anybody else? Of course. Uh, we had my 90th birthday party uh, in April. And I even brought up one of Pablo's old girlfriends. Yes, we got to meet her. To meet the girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> they could meet somebody who had, uh, who had uh, known him, you know. We had dinner with her. You, you can't deny science you know no you certainly cannot <laughs> you deny it uh i know the mothers are having a lot of problem with this and i don't see why because it is their child and whichever way it arrived is uh, doesn't really matter and when did you jill when did you and see to meet in person for the first time um so I, I sent her a letter in October of 2019 and heard back from her within that week. And uh, me, Corey and Lori, we all ended up speaking with Sita that day I, or that week. I think we all called and everybody spoke to her individually that week. Corey, Lori and I had never met until uh, January 10th of 2020. We all came up to Hudson in where she is and stayed at an Airbnb for a nice long weekend and spend time together. That's how they met. Yes, that was our first time meeting. Yes, we all <laughs> met, yep. But you know, the interesting thing for them, I think, is that there are many uh, well-known people in the family. You know, my father was nominated three times for the Nobel Prize. He's a scientist. He was a cardiologist and a mathematician. Madame Curie's assistant. He worked with Einstein. And it's thanks to him that today you can have organ transplants. Oh, wow. No. That's no small thing. Crazy. My father-in-law <laughs> was a well-known artist. He painted all the Mountbatten's. He painted a beautiful portrait of, uh, of Queen Elizabeth in Buckingham Palace in, in life, in her Grenadier Guards uniform. <laughs> so there are interesting people in the family which sort of... Uh, it's probably uh, uh, interesting, amusing, uh, whatever you want to call it, for Pablo's children. So I, when I was researching all this stuff, <laughs> before I had found out who she was, like just the names that were coming up, I, this can't be right, you know, <laughs> famous artists, things like that. Like, that's the only way I got like, if they weren't well known, I probably wouldn't have found out very much online, yeah. but she was online. You know, I'm um, a with, painter. She's a painter too. So that's how I found her and, and everything. I mean, luckily that the family, you know, does have rich history. Like yeah, because that. they, they, because they uh, did something, they're known, you know, you'll, you'll find them. You can find father all over the computer, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, and my father-in-law also. And, uh, and hopefully if Pablo hadn't been ill, he also would have been done something with his life. But he did. He's got all these children. <laughs> he did a different kind of math and creativity, yeah. right? Um, so, so for for the for the all of the um, the adult children that I'm sitting with here now, did you all um, have 
experience what so what a lot of people talk about as far as not feeling like you quite fit in or having skill sets that were different than the rest of your family did that's not always the case but would did that resonate and did it change did it change or make anything make sense for you when you found out you came from this lineage i can say for me a hundred percent growing up i always question white white blonde hair my parents and my brother that I grew up with were dark haired, dark eyes. I had light eyes, light hair. I was always very much into art. And then I got into the world of medicine myself. And I work in cardiology, actually. So for me, what? Uh, having that connection. Yeah. So having like, that. Connection. Like, oh, no. Yeah. And by the way, not this family, like my family I grew up with, um, they're all teachers. So Initially, when I went to college, it was like, I'm going to be a teacher because that's just what my family does. And I just could not get into it. I ended up like dropping out of school and then I went and I became a nurse. My entire career has been spent working in cardiology. And so the biggest interesting things to me were uh, knowing that I was related to Sita and seeing her artwork. And I was like, wow, it's so interesting because I draw and sketch and paint all these big bubbly colorful things too and um like the cardiology you know medicine background that was huge to me and I remember the first time we met Sita and we were sitting in her living room and my entire life I wondered where my nose came from and I've spent like hours and hours and hours analyzing I'm sorry it, and I could never <laughs> find it and it no it wasn't a bad nose I just didn't know where it came from <laughs> and I when we're sitting in Sita's living room and I'm sitting there and I couldn't stop staring at her because all of a sudden I said, she has my nose and I'm looking at her. And all I can think is, oh my God, that's me in like 50 years. Like I look like this woman. This is crazy because I spent my whole life trying to figure out where I fit in and who I look like. So that was very weird, but also really cool all at the same time. <laughs> Genetic mirroring is a powerful phenomenon. And you just described described yeah. that experience very accurately. Yeah. So yeah. many people um, find that experience just mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Mind-blowing. And what about for the other, uh, everyone else on your map? Not only that, my parents died. They were 75 each. They didn't die at the same time. And you know, at the doctors, you fill out the form. They always ask you, how old were your parents when they died? If I hadn't lived to be 90, none of this would have uh, been possible. Right. No, we wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. So that's the other miracle here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we all met right before COVID and, and then COVID hit and yeah. we didn't see each other for a very long time. So, but we always kept in touch. Mm-hmm. I would say for me, like, you know, my growing up, I've got one sibling. Um, you know, my parents have always been around. And it's always just kind of been this ongoing joke because like my dad and my brother have really long arms and like they can touch their toes and I can't touch my toes. <laughs> and they've always like made fun of me for this my entire life. So it's always kind of been like and then, uh, you know, looks wise, like characteristically, like I look more like my mother is always what I've been told. That's, and my yeah, brother sure. looks more like my dad, you know, so. It was always just kind of just that's how it was, you know, mm-hmm. but now um, that, you know, we've this is new knowledge has come to light. It's like Jill sent me photos of Pablo and then we put the side by side up of us. And it's like it's like a ghost. It's like, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Holy, you know, like I don't even know how to explain it because it was like. And when we started this year, you know, this, this whole year has been like a total, like, just change plans, go this way, you know, like whatever we thought the year was going to end like, and like, we thought we were going this direction. It didn't look anything the way we thought it was, you know, and um, I've had a career change this year. I found out I've got four siblings I never knew about, you know, my father's going through some things right now. We've got lots going on. And, um, you know, I'd say it was a, it's been an opportunity to like really embrace change, you know, and, and embrace, um, you know, this, this newfound information, newfound family that we never knew we had. It's all good. Yeah. It's, and we get to choose what, what lens we want to look at it through, you know? So it's like, um, 
I, I looked at this and came across this and it was exciting to me, you know, it was um, getting to meet everybody and knowing I had three sisters out there that, you know, wanted to, I, you know, meet me and have some kind of relationship with me was cool. You know, I was like, sorry, my mom wasn't as excited as I was about it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I told, I, you know, I told my mom, I said, mom, it's not your story. It's, it's my story to tell. It's not your story. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. So, yeah. but, um, you know, and I guess at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm grateful uh, that, because like I was mentioning this earlier, we could have fallen into this situation and we're blessed that Jill was like in this way before, at least I feel blessed that Jill was in this way before I was around and she had all this information already collected. So it was like, I kind of walked into like a fully painted picture already. I didn't have to go, you know, through all the finding the information out and digging through history to go find Sita and figure out who Pablo was and, you know, all all of that. I was blessed enough and fortunate enough to just walk into like, hey, guess what? <laughs> a ready-made family. You're you're connected to this. Yeah, you're connected. I'm like, oh, wow. That's- we were so nervous when we found out about Matt. We were, we don't want to like scare him and overwhelm him. Remember what it was like when we found out. So we were trying so hard to just be as like gentle as possible. They put a woman's touch on it. That's, that's <laughs> the truth. <laughs> well, it, makes, it, it, it all makes me wonder if there's something to be said about the genetics of, of people that are of a, of a family of people that grow up to be adaptable to surprises and shock. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, of course, I don't, I don't know anything about that scientifically, but it's just interesting because so many people there of all, I mean, there's, there's all the variables, right. That could exist, but you all, you all got surprising information and you all were people who ended up feeling the, the, like the draw to one another, but then also wanted to pursue it and also get along. And so many people, like Matt was saying earlier, like it could have been, it could be a whole group of people that are not interested in those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going to say like, oh, I wonder if you all ended up with like good families and you grew up with, as like with grounded self-identities so that you, you feel comfortable, like reaching out and experiencing new things. And I, I don't know how to track that either, but it's, it's, it has to be said that like what you guys are experiencing is not for sure with people. It's not definite, right? Like it's kind of, it's, yeah. it might go this way and it might not. I- I can honestly say, like, if I was, I'm 39 right now, and if this would have happened to me 10 years ago, it would have been a much different response to everything, you know. So it is. Yeah, I agree with you 100% because it's like we all had to be in a certain place in our lives for it to even be something we can comprehend and accept. Right. You are all wanted. Right. No, we were. Yeah. No question. And what about for you, Corey? It's funny because I always thought I was I was adopted or something. Same thing as Lori when I was growing up. I just there was something I felt different than my family. Like I even my mom. I'm like I just I feel, I don't feel like I'm related to these people. <laughs> <laughs> so and then it was funny because the one person that I gravitated towards a lot was actually my dad who passed away, which is ironic because you know obviously we're not related, but. Um, you know, and to just to touch on what Matt said, you know, there's a lot of people and we experienced some of this, like when we were trying to figure everything out that, you know, they're not open to the communication and, you know, and that's really, that, that stinks for those, those, those people that are just finding that out and they're rejected by their, their new families, because there's a lot of nuances into discovering this information you know, as a surprise as it is. And then if you're rejected by your new family too, it's almost like, you know, but I just want to know like some information. And, and if these people don't want to talk to you, it's so we're very fortunate in that regard to have each other and to have Sita because it, I mean, it just fills in, it makes it so much easier to understand. I mean, the medical history, your background, like your ancestors, everything it's, it, it was, it was a blessing for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Sita, how, how, what age was Pablo when he passed away? Uh, he was born in 1957 and he died in 2007. 
just short of uh, just a few months before his birthday. Okay. So MS, MS is no joke. Um, and it's definitely, it's like autoimmune diseases are definitely like the, the example that people use when they talk about how important medical history is to know. It is so important to know that nobody inherited it. Nobody inherited it. I say nobody inherited MS, but there actually is some autoimmune problems amongst us. Yeah. Yeah. I was diagnosed with type one diabetes at 13 years old, really yeah. young. But I, again, I don't know about the correlation, but no one in my mother's side of the family has that. And then from now, what I know about my father's side of the family, no one on this side of the family did either. So it could have just been my life path, or if it is related to an autoimmune thing like that from my father's side of the family. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Yeah. In interesting to know, and maybe a relief that, that thus far nobody has exhibited MS um, symptom symptoms. Um, I had a little bit of like, it was right around the time that we all found this information out. It was like the same week. As a matter of fact, my father got sick, this happened. Then like the following day or the day after that, I started experiencing double vision when I, I couldn't, I couldn't look at the TV, couldn't drive. I was like, what is going on right now? Because I have excellent vision. I've never had any issues with my vision. I don't wear glasses. I don't wear contacts. I don't wear anything. So it was like kind of out of left field. It was very sudden. Um, I've since had a bunch of examinations done, MRIs and everything. I confirmed it's nothing crazy, but it was that same week I met Jill and she informed me about how Pablo passed. And I was like, oh, shoot. Mm -hmm. One of the symptoms of MS, one of the onset symptoms yep. is double vision. I feel like it might have just been like a really stressful week for you. <laughs> like, yeah, I, think I so. mean, I'm so glad you're not still having double vision, but like, I, I uh, feel no, like right? that would be like one of, it seems like, of course you were having double vision. Just think about like everything that was going on for you. That's amazing. Um, Sita, what do you wish that, that they knew about Pablo? What do you wish they could have? That he was such an honorable person and, uh, and so brave, so brave to, to, to have this disease. It started when he was in the Air Force. So he was, what, 20, 21 years old? And uh, he knew all about it. The first thing he did, he, he came home on leave looking so handsome in his Air Force uniform. You know how we feel about uniforms, <laughs> women. <laughs> and uh, I, it was Christmas. And uh, I was standing in the kitchen cooking as usual for everybody. And my father was standing there. And Pablo uh, goes up to him and said, Papi, I have this problem. I'm dropping everything. I don't notice that I'm dropping things. And uh, I feel as if I have a corset around me. And uh, I see father's expression change, looking very serious. And he takes Paolo's arm. He says, when you go back to base, you go to the hospital on the base. But you don't want to see a regular doctor. You want to see a neurologist. And I thought, my God, father knows something. And in effect, he went right away. He followed father's uh, orders. And uh, that's when he was diagnosed with having MS. So my father must have already suspected something, you know, from his years of experience. Right. What do you think? Do you think about or imagine how Pablo would have reacted to this situation if he were alive today? He would have heard. <laughs> like a cat he was purring about the whole thing about how clever he was look at that mom I have all these children uh -huh. yeah. clever because after all that's why we have children so that we don't die right and now she has five grandchildren and four great grandchildren yeah <laughs> wow and the caveat was we actually all have children that are the same age. Yes, yes that, that's yeah. the most fantastic yeah. thing. The three, three of them. Three, three boys are all 10 years old. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yep. 
because that's going to make it possible for them to get very close. They're so close in age and they're related. Uh, it will be a very special friendship, I think. Yeah, I just got goosebumps. You all were born at the same time and then you all decided more or less, but three of you decided to have children at the same time and they were all boys <laughs> and you're all people yeah. who are adaptable. Yeah. I mean, it really like you guys have really it was fate. Yeah, you really present an argument within the it's like a movie. It's yeah, a movie. like the nature versus the debate sort of ends with you guys. <laughs> yeah. One little uh, tidbit I wanted to add, Eve. Um, so before we met Matt, I had grown. I believe in life on the other side and psychics. So um, something had happened to me a few months back, and I said I need to go see a psychic about this. So she was talking to me. I didn't tell her anything about me. And I was telling her, um, she knew, I, I forget how the conversation came up, but I said that I had four siblings and she said, oh no, there's five. <laughs> and I said, no, there's four. She said, no, there's a fifth one. And literally one week later, we got our notification on Ancestry that connected with us. We all nearly fainted. <laughs> it's a boy. I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The text comes through. <laughs> The it text was, comes through and I screenshot it. It says like you have a new relative and it's, I mean, it was clear that it was a sibling and I sent it to the girls and we had just heard Jill told us what the psychic said. It was like, you're not going to believe this. The fifth one is here. And we were like, oh <laughs> my God. <So> cool. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. Trippy. Oh, I just got some, I'm getting goosebumps over and over again. Not only that, but they're all attractive. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. It's got to be. A yeah, I, I was going with my father to pick up a, a cousin's daughter at the, uh, she was coming in by boat. This was years ago. And I said to father, how are we going to recognize her? What does she look like? And father said, listen, if she's not good looking, we're not picking her up. <laughs> and, you know, I was a teenager. I looked at father. I said, You're not going to pick her up? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty. She Pop. came home with us. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll ca we'll cast this movie with only the best looking stars oh. of Hollywood. <laughs> yes, that's, that's reassuring. Yeah. Is there anything that you wish I'd asked you, or that you guys wanted to talk about, or or advice you have for other donor conceived people, or? Oh my God, I think there's a million things we could all talk about. <laughs> this could go on yeah. for many episodes. <laughs> well, this past weekend, I had actually uh, had a conversation with a very close friend of ours about just me, my DNA journey or whatever. And he was very negative about it, about some of the things, and um, which really caught me off guard because I'd never had a reaction like that before. You know, he was looking at it as well you know, now this DNA stuff is ruining it for all the people that wanted to be anonymous. You know, that was his way of thinking, which I can understand trying to be very open-minded, but at the same time, my life journey yes. is more important, you know, than it opened you know, up. Oh. It, it was just very interesting for me to see that side of things. So that side of things, unfortunately is out there, but you know, I keeping positive about it and I've never had a negative uh, comment until then, all these years of my life, until then. So that really caught me uh, at a left, a ball out of left field for sure. But there are people like that out And I have gotten some negative comments too, but um, you know, just hearing with what Jill was explaining, I think the advice that I would give to donor conceived people that discover this like we did, um, you know, is just to take the journey. It's out there, you know, I mean, I'm not ashamed to say I've been seeing a therapist for quite a while now and she's helped me really wrap my head around all this um there's support groups out there too even on social media you can find support groups and that's been super helpful and then for the people that meet us <laughs> the people that don't know what it's like um you know the girls and I were just actually talking about this but allow us to tell you how it feels you don't you don't get to say we should have those feelings or we shouldn't, you know, think that way, feel that way, whatever it is, you know, we are the ones going through it. You're entitled to feel however you want to and just be quiet and listen. And we're, we'll tell you how it feels, you know, and you have to just 
accept that, you know, you don't have to believe in it, but you have to accept it because it's us. It's our feeling. So that would be my advice. Hmm. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I, I think we all want to know where we come from. Who were our ancestors? Yeah. Yeah. What did they do? Yeah. What were they, where did they live? You know, because we are the result of them. Yeah. And I think like what Jill was talking about earlier, I think most people, uh, they take their identity for granted because most people like, just like we did, like we thought we knew who our parents were and we thought we knew who we were. And it's like, you know, that's nice, but you don't like, they don't understand when you experience that rug being pulled out from under you. It's like, it's a strange journey to go on and it's a strange mm -hmm. feeling. And uh, some, I don't think people truly understand how bizarre it is. Like when you have half your identity stripped away in a matter of like minutes, it's very strange. I don't, I don't know if there's an easy way to like get that kind of news. It's just like, you know, you gotta, like I said, 10 years ago, my mindset was totally different. And, you know, uh, I don't know how I would have responded finding all this out. You know, I think it's important for people to have an open mind you know uh, you, you can't you can't change your dna so <laughs> no sense getting upset about something you can't be met you you know you can't change you know so i mean might as well accept it and, and go for the ride you know and it's kind of at this point um that's my attitude with it you know it's we don't get to decide whether we're going or not we're already going mm -hmm. and you can either ignore it or acknowledge it you know it's um I, i'm choosing to acknowledge it i'm choosing to discover i'm choosing to be excited about it you know and i think that's just you have been amazing matt honestly <laughs> i <Yeah. laughs> as scared as i was i asked him probably like five times in separate messages to have you spoken to your parents about your dna yet have you spoken to your parents about your dna have you spoken to your parents? <laughs> like I, yeah. it's just the whole clear thing well, that you, and i just spilled the beans the best way i could um but he's just been with open arms this whole time with yeah. all of us, even really, though they're short arms, short yeah. open arms. <laughs> 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 he touches toes. <laughs> it's um, it's been great, man. I can't, I can't say I don't understand why somebody wouldn't be excited. They find out that they had other siblings. Exactly. You know that they had a because story they didn't know about. All as great as us. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, it doesn't make sense to me, but I guess, you know, if somebody was to go through the experience or learn anything from watching this video, it's, that's the biggest thing I'd say is have open mind and don't be mad about things you can't change. Embrace <laughs> it. Yes. Right. That needs to be a bumper sticker. Don't be mad about things you can't change. And, and there's nothing unpleasant about it. Yeah. 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 We've been very, very fortunate to have Sita in our lives to yeah. give us more than just the, when I tell you history from beginning, start to end, we know so much more than I could have ever asked for with our family. I knew there was a reason I have to be 90. <laughs> so, she's writing a book. Yeah. She's writing a biography. Yeah, right good. Now. And uh, we are her last chapter in the yep. book. <laughs> of course. Because I've been writing it for the past 20 years, yeah. being interrupted with illnesses and deaths in the family and all that. Finally, I'm getting to the end and I realize they are the end. They are the, I wrote it for them. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And it goes back a thousand years. Whoa. That's gonna. That's a long. Sita, that feels like a long book. <laughs> Which is even crazier too, because I think like when I, you know, I look. My mother is from South America, and I know I have some Spanish roots that come from that side, but I don't know much about the history as far going back even farther than my grandparents on that side. And my father's side, I know even less. You know, so to to know that we actually have a long history and it's recorded and it's somewhere you can like pick it up and yeah. look at it and read it. It's kind of cool. You know, mm -hmm. that's amazing. Very cool. I can't wait to read it. I don't know if it's just coincidence or irony or whatever, but like Sita came to this country for, for because of the Holocaust, right? Because of Nazi occupation. Yeah. yeah because my father wouldn't uh, work for the Nazis. 
So my father's, my grandfather on my father's side moved to, here from Austria to also escape the Holocaust. And his name was Max Schneier. He changed it to Matt Strong, what it is now. And oh, wow. So it was, I never knew, you know, that part of my family was always raised Catholic. You know, I never really knew much about my Jewish heritage or anything like that. And it was like to know that I had that on my father's, on my father's side, you know, and then yeah. my biological father also had that tied into his heritage is kind of, you know. Right. Like you were just destined to have that as part of your heritage. I guess no way. Yeah. Around. yeah. <laughs> like no <laughs> way, no way around. This way Spanish, you also have Jews uh, on the Spanish side who converted and stayed. Uh, in 1492, the Jews were, uh, and the Arabs were told to convert or leave the country. And uh, our Jewish ancestors uh, converted and stayed. 23% of the population of Spain has Jewish blood. Mm. Wow. wow. They were already refugees, the poor Jews. Where right. are they gonna go? They have, yeah, <laughs> forever wondering. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I really do feel like I could sit here and talk to each of you as a group and then individually, like this could be its own series, which is not something right. I have time for. But if you guys could do it, you guys could do your own podcast. <laughs> this is just totally, totally awesome. Oh, God, I don't even know what to say other than just like, thank, we have to stop because of time, but <laughs> I wish that we didn't. Um, thank you so much for giving me some time in your afternoons and uh, calling in from all over the East coast. Yeah. And Sita, I'm glad you've got everything. I'm glad you've got everything written down, but somebody get her oral history. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Great. They will be immortalized. <laughs> good, 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 yeah, good. Wonderful. Right. Um, great. Well, if you have any questions or problems or you wish you hadn't said something, or there's something you want to add, just like anybody, please feel comfortable reaching out to me at any time. It'll be, um, a little bit before this comes on. And of course I will let you know when that is. Um, and joy Jill's sister that she was raised with is the editor. So you can also, Thanks. uh, contact Jill. She's your inside, <laughs> she's your inside, uh, connection to the connection. podcast. So, yeah. Um, However you want her to make you we sound. We need you to change my hair color. Totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make somebody's voice sound smokier, sexier. Yeah. Um, she's, your, she's your woman for that. All right. Well, have a wonderful rest of your day. I am so grateful. Thank you, Eve. Thank you, Eve. Thanks for your time. Thank you. I will be in touch. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. All right. Take care. Bye, everybody. Good to see you guys. Bye, 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 bye. A huge, huge thank you to all of the siblings in that family who took the time to speak with me from all over the country, including Jill, who took a day off work to be with Sita for all of that, to help with the Zoom coordinating. Um, I hope you could see why that's spe that felt so special to me. It was such a perfect way to finish a season, um, especially a season that was so unintentionally heavy with donor conception stories. Um, and what a season it was. Thank you to everyone, every single person who took the time to share their story with me. Thank you to all of you who took the time to listen to this podcast, share this podcast, review this podcast. Uh, there won't be some new episodes for a few months, but I'm still going to be here. I'm still going to be interviewing people and I still want to be involved with the community. We are having a book club Zoom party Sunday, October 2nd. So if you haven't signed up for that yet, send me a message ASAP. So I can send you a Zoom link. We're going to discuss the book Normal Family by Krista Bilton. And the extra exciting news is that Krista will be joining us. It's going to be really fun. Um, I talked with Krista a few episodes ago. And after we recorded, I called her back and said, like, please come do this book party with us. And she was excited to do it. So um, I really hope you all can make it. October 2nd, send me a message. I'll send you a Zoom link. And I'll be doing lots of other things, too, um, before I get uh, on to season five, which will be probably early next year. But really, 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 this podcast would not be possible without support from you wonderful people out there who show up for me in all the ways. Uh, I'm still working over here. 
So any support you can offer me while I gear up for season five is, of course, so appreciated. You can subscribe on Patreon. You can write a review on Apple Podcasts. You can share the podcast with a friend or on your social media. Share it with all your friends. Um, Go to my website, www.everythingsrelativepodcast.com, and get a t-shirt. There are two shirts I'm super proud of designing, different ways of proclaiming your membership in the NPE community, uh, and or they're definitely a new way to start a conversation with people. The holidays are coming. What a great gift idea. And speaking of gifts, um, the best way to support me is by supporting yourself with a process journal, also for sale on my website and on Amazon. Get yourself or someone you love uh, a copy of Who Even Am I Anymore, which I created hoping to offer our community a process tool. It has open-ended questions and pages for writing, um, and it offers people an opportunity to like spend some time doing intentional reflection on this kind of experience. I know that I created this journal, so it's very easy for me to say that it's great, but I promise um, I am hearing from people who are using it on their own. They're using it with their therapists, uh, and this was something we really needed. You might need it. So it's there. It's available on my website, and it's on Amazon. It's called Who Even Am I Anymore? A Process Journal for the Adoptee, Late Discovery Adoptee, Donor Conceived, NPE, and MPE Communities, created by Eve Sturgis. And that's all. That's all for now, everybody. Thank you again for everything. I don't know what else to say. Keep in touch, please, by following me on social media at Everything's Relative Podcast. I'll be doing all sorts of events, as I said. Um, And if you want to tell me your story, yes, I am still doing interviews. So reach out. Email me, eve at everythingsrelativepodcast.com. It's 10 a.m. here in Los Angeles, and it's already 96 degrees. So I hope wherever you are staying, you are cool, eating ice cream, thinking about the environment, and remembering to recycle. Until I see you next time, bye-bye. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaylin Egan and edited by Joy Rumor. Logo designed by Ivy McNally and music is used with permission from Goodbye the Band. Eve is a licensed psychotherapist, but her podcast episodes are not therapy sessions.